everybody, John here from High Jiu-Jitsu. Here's a little intro into this episode. Now, we're supposed to release it on the 28th of August because we're currently releasing High Jiu-Jitsu podcasts monthly. Yesterday, today is uh, Wednesday. Yesterday, there was an unfortunate attack, Sydney stabbing uh, in the middle of the CBD. And it's another poignant example of everything we've been talking about in this podcast, which is what's compelled me to publish it early. So it's a beautiful chat that I have with Maddie. It's to do with this understanding and this practice of self-defense. And the question is whether it's paranoia, whether we're fear-mongering and thinking that we need self-defense training, or whether it's preparation, and whether it's like wearing a seatbelt when you're in a car, it's like having a fire uh, extinguisher and a fire safety procedure in a building. Um, preparation versus paranoia. Hope you guys enjoy this chat. I think it's a great one. I thoroughly enjoyed having that chat to Maddie. Let me know your thoughts. Ciao. What's up, everybody? John from High Jiu Jitsu Podcast. How are we doing? I'm here with the main man. Mr. Matty, Banza, Verga, Mason. How are we all? Welcome. Yes, welcome, welcome. Today is a very important day because we have gathered here to talk about a very interesting, very important, maybe contentious topic. And that is from our High Jiu-Jitsu blog. And the blog is self-defense, preparation or paranoia. Now, a little bit of a context as to how I came up with this blog post and um, why it was going around in my head and two situations in particular. We'll probably go into those a little bit more, but just um, just to get us started, I was uh, doing a, a tour of Vietnam back in December, January of this year. And on our tour, we had a, it was a great group of people and we had one guy, I think his name was Tom, um, from Melbourne, he's from my country, Victoria. And <clears throat> Tom was this big Croatian guy. Like, his calf muscles were the size of like my thighs. And I've got some big thighs on me. He, like, big, big dude. His head was monstrous. Like, so he had like tree trunk legs? Tree trunk legs, big, big, strong Eastern European dude. Um, the nicest guy you could imagine as well. Like such a gentle person um, he had three daughters with him on this trip and those three daughters two of them had boyfriends um, and you know after a while we were chatting and it became just nice like chatter initially um, and then as we got like lo- longer into the trip we started talking about we started getting more confidence with each other and we're talking about different like our jobs and I told him that I do jiu-jitsu and I'm a jiu-jitsu teacher. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's all right. No worries. Like, he wasn't too impressed. <laughs> but um, said, just talking about, you know, whether he's done any self-defense and whether his, um, like, his, his daughters have done self-defense as well. And he's like, nah, mate, I don't believe in self-defense. He's like, because I feel like, he's like, if, if I don't think about it, if I don't put out that energy, it won't come back to me. If I don't, um, think that people are going to come and attack me 
then they won't come and attack me. And if I do think that people are going to come in and attack me, chances are they're probably going to come in and attack me. And I found that very interesting. Interesting for many reasons. Partly because there's two sides of the, of the coin here. The fact that I, I wouldn't mess with Tom, this guy. Like, if you just look at the size of him, I think you've got to be very silly to mess with that guy because he's... Well, he'd be about 6'3", maybe. 6'2", 6'3", but, like, at least 120 kilos plus. Plus, like, monster hands, monster legs, like, all of it. Um, I, and I think saying that from his perspective, I believe him. Like, because if he doesn't think that everyone's going to attack him, they probably won't. Um, just... And I think that's because of his size, not so much what he's thinking in his head. On the other side, he's got three daughters, three very pretty daughters, like young girls, pretty, um, and girls that have also like never ever thought about self-defense as a way of um, preparation. And I'm sure there are times when those girls will be going out without Tom as they get older. I'm sure, like they'll be going out with their dad when they're younger and the dad can look after them and help them. But as they started getting older, you know, um, we have to start thinking about, or at least I think it's important to learn self-defense, not because you're paranoid about getting attacked or getting struck or getting um, rolled or whatever you want to call it. I think it's important to do it as a means of preparation. and that's what I want us to talk about today. Just, just this idea of whether self-defense training, teach, uh, learning self-defense as a practice, as a methodology, is being paranoid. If you focus on being so, uh, um, defending yourself, okay, in, just in case anything wants to happen, whether you're being paranoid about it, whether you're preparing it. What do you think, Maddie? It's, such a, it's a very broad topic. Um, you know, I'm going to dive straight into the deep end here. I think it's definitely being prepared. And I can understand from a big, burly man's point of view, you know, I imagine if I was Brock Lesnar, I probably wouldn't be too scared about people, but even he's trained, right? Mm-hmm. But if I was that size, you know, you kind of, you're a physically imposing presence. Yeah. But you then have to recognize not everyone is you. Uh, and, and not only that, let's just get straight into the guts of it. What happens when you're in a situation where for some, no one's gonna try and throw fisticuffs with someone that big. But if you're throwing down with someone who potentially has like a weapon, mm-hmm. or they come and approach you, they wanna mug you. Not that it happens here that often, but if you don't have that basic fundamental understanding of distance, mm-hmm. you're in for a bad time. And I think that's like one of the core things that you have to understand with self-defense is learning distance management. I could visibly, I, in my mind, I could see someone, uh, Tom size, this big Brock Lesnar looking guy. Mm-hmm. He'd probably let someone get in his face because he's not intimidated. If someone your size, you know, 5'10", five, five, came up to him. That's not my size. Uh, yes. I don't know. I made it up. 5'7". Someone 5'7". <laughs> you know, 70 kilos came up to you yeah. and you were 6'3 and 120 kilos, yeah. you'd let them get in your face because you're not going to be intimidated. Mm-hmm. So in, instantly you're at a disadvantage in that you've 
already allowed someone in that distance. And I think for me, that's one of the biggest things on this topic is self-defense preparation or paranoia. I don't think it's paranoia. I think it's developing an understanding of just the minute details because it's probably never going to happen. For him, it's probably never going to happen. Mm-hmm. But when it, if it does, and he's already let them in his space, he's already made the first mistake. For sure. And I don't think a normal-sized person's fist would have too much impact on Tom's head. But, no. it, you know, um, it could be, could be a weapon that comes right. in, you know, something that comes in. There are things a, that... A, a, it could be a knife. No, not know? even a, a knife. It could be in a pub. And yeah. someone just cracks a glass over his head. Yeah. Australia has heaps of glassings. Yeah. You know, that's actually a common thing. I think, the, beer. I think that, yeah, a, 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 a beer glass is... Australia has the highest per capita of beer glassing in the world. Really? Yep. So that's something I didn't know. So, we, sure, we don't have knives or guns and heaps of that, but, yep. man, you, I've seen it happen. I've been at a pub. I was, we were talking with this guy, and uh, he was in the army, and people tried to steal his bag. So he got up, obviously. He was like, what are you stealing my bag for? Uh, and then it was a woman. I reckon this would have been like a 60 kilo girl, small girl, not big, maybe five, six, five, seven. She just grabs a glass and smacks it and he blocked it, but it cut his arm open completely. He was bleeding everywhere. Uh, obviously security came running over straight away because there's wow. all this shit's going down. But um, yeah, so a woman cracked him with a glass for stealing his, she stole his bag <laughs> and he got it's up her. And, but it's, these, I literally was, this distance away from you from when it happened wow that was when I was 18 Mean Fiddler don't go there terrible place oh there you go Mean (laughs) Fiddler I think there's like a there's a there's a the highest frequency of fights brawls happens at the Mean Fiddler as well yeah it's in New South Wales it's like first or second Rudy Hill isn't it somewhere yeah it's out it's not Rudy Hill it's um, Rouse Hill Rouse Hill yeah yeah Rouse Hill yeah Um, well the the focal point look Jiu-Jitsu is a, is a system of self-defense, okay? This system comes from the philosophy of our Grandmaster Elio. He, he always insisted that Jiu-Jitsu is about knowing how to defend yourself against bigger, stronger opposition. That means the focal point of our training on the mats is understanding how to stay safe against the aggression of others. This may include but not be limited to kicks, punches, headlocks, wrist grabs, glassings. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so much more. If you're like most Sydney siders, who don't live in Rice Hill or attend the main filler too often, <laughs> you rarely experience violence in your day-to-day life. And most definitely, we're lucky to live in this beautiful, safe and friendly city. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, there is order. Now, some people probably aren't listening um, in Sydney, anywhere, you are, anywhere you're at. Generally speaking, I'm sure the crime rates, like, um, you can be safe walking around a lot of cities in the world, okay? Excluding a few of them for sure, okay? But there's, like, for the most part, I can only talk about Sydney. I've been, been traveling around the world too. Even, like, let's say Rio de Janeiro, you know, right today. I'm sure there's a lot of problems that can happen there too, but, you know, I, I was there for, what, eight, nine months, and um, I got my electronic, I got my card stolen. That's um, just, like, swiped. But um, I never had any like hand-to-hand combat during the sh- in the street. Yep. Um, so for the most part, you get through. What I'm trying to say is that you get through your day. Most of your, the vast majority of your days, you can get by without any drama, without any incidents happening. 
on the kind of the flip side of that, obviously Sydney being safe to tie into it, I know a lot of I've heard stories where women will say they're not comfortable being out at night alone, mm-hmm. and that they get paranoid when they're out or just with people around. Obviously, that's them being prepared. So when not sorry, not prepared, but. Uh, I, I hear about women they're always looking over their shoulder making trying to get an understanding of what's around yeah so in that environment where they're feeling unsafe they're trying to be prepared to run to do all the right things to look after themselves yes so if you're looking at jujitsu as or, or self-defense as preparation or paranoia it, it's on the same vein if you're looking over your shoulder because you're concerned that someone might you know be following you or whatever it may be that is that paranoia or are you being prepared for the event that it happens? And I feel like it's the same, same exact same discussion. Mm-hmm. Even though we might feel safe, I feel pretty safe walking around here at night, but I could totally understand why a woman wouldn't. Like, you know, there's, there, there can be, you know, some... There's always an opportunity for, being, for some odd-looking characters to be around that might make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, do you want to be prepared or paranoid? Are you... Uh, uh, again, sorry, are you prepared or not? Are you paranoid or not? Yep. What's paranoia? Looking over your shoulder all the time. Mm-hmm. If you're paranoid about people, why don't you prepare yourself? Exactly. Well, that's what, yeah, exactly. Um, Mr. Roger, we did, a, we did a podcast. I don't know, it was one of them that we had with Roger Dio and Phil Grapsis. I'm pretty sure it was a couple episodes before this one. We posted it. And Roger was saying, we're talking about the same thing. And Roger was saying, in order to be prepared and not paranoid, you got to be aware, but not think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, always be aware of your surroundings and look over your shoulder, but don't be thinking like, oh no, there might be someone coming to get me. It's just like, look over your shoulder and just, is no one's there, okay, cool. Oh, there's someone there, okay, no problems. Um, but at least you know, at least you're aware. You know, even when you go out, you know, with your friends and, you know, you're at the, at the pub and you just you're profiling people and that's what we all do all the time we, you know uh, I do yep. um, and I'm just looking I'm just checking them checking things out I think that's important that's awareness right there but I don't go into a room check everyone out anyone here is going to be a danger to me you know is anyone mm-hmm. um, you know um, a problem because if that's the case then I'd be either in the in the corner of the room you know like <laughs> with my with my fist clenched you know waiting in my, my combat base stance my hands up you know you imagine walking around in life in like combat stance well that's yes that's the that's the complete side of that spectrum the paranoia spectrum like everyone's coming to get me (laughs) and it's a spectrum though because on the other side of it i don't think it's not reality to think that this is like a utopia that like no one's out to get you that everyone is amazing um and so even though you know we don't have like out of control gang wars. We do have gang wars in Australia, but not like super out of control oh, ones yeah, that very, that yeah. usually like you know come out onto the street. Yeah, they stick amongst themselves, right? Gun crimes. We don't have many of those, thanks to Mr. Johnny Howard over there um, yeah. in the '90s, um, banning all guns. And I think that was a brilliant idea. And I think that's really really helped. Generally speaking, throughout the course of the day, we can get by um, yeah. without fisticuffs. Generally. Yeah. Um, ask Professor about living in Rio in the 70s and 80s and that wasn't the case like you'd go out apparently you'd go out with, and you have a girlfriend if you went out with your missus you'd get a dude trying to come and pick her up right in front of you trying to hug her take her hand take her by the hand grabbing her butt like doing things and you have to fight like all the time apparently back in the day 
But this is Sydney. This is 2019. Um, things aren't like that. So as we're saying, why should you care about the self-defense? Why? And, you know, we're slowly answering it. The fact that it's, it's awareness, you know, you want to be aware rather than paranoid. Um, i tell you why you want to be aware. Because you never know. Mm. You never know. Here's another thing, Maddie. Another question. Why do you wear a seatbelt when you go driving? Because I don't want to crash. I don't want to go flying through the windscreen. You don't want to crash. Nobody wants to no, crash. Do you think to. you're going to crash next time you jump in a car and drive? No. You got your license? No. 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 I don't need to, bro. I, I, yeah, I, you I, live like around the corner from the gym. Where else do you have to go? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else in life. How do you get to your parents' place? Bus. All oh, right. Fair enough. Nice. Mm. Well, when you go into somebody else's car, yeah. you put your seatbelt on, yeah. right? Absolutely. When I go driving, I put my seatbelt on. Why? Why do we wear a seatbelt? The ratio of you getting to a, getting to your destination safely versus crashing is is definitely way more in favor of the not crashing part. I've been driving for how old? I'm 30. I got my license about 17. For 13 years I've been driving. I've been got my in, license as soon as I could. I've been in a car my entire life. Mm-hmm. I've been in buses a lot, as I said, because I don't drive. But yeah. even as a passenger, right from the time I was five playing soccer as a kid to, to now I've spent so much time in cars I reckon I've spent at least a year of my life in a car yeah have you crashed how many times have you crashed once and that was someone wasn't paying attention and rear-ended us yeah so and that happens what happens if someone rear-ends you and you're not wearing a seatbelt that, that could be bad oh man you'd probably go through the front window yeah you would that's my dad my dad got rear-ended in his van and flew out like slammed his head right through the front windscreen thankfully he was okay Um, especially even now when it comes with like people just watch everyone who's driving just see how many texting (laughs) just all on their phone everybody's on their phones and I I think that's a really really bad idea so why do you wear a seatbelt no I don't think I'm gonna crash I hope I don't crash next time I jump in knock on that wood okay but it's there just in case because you never know. You never know. There might be some dumbass behind you yep. and he's scrolling through his Facebook feed and doesn't see that there's a red light and you're stopped behind the other car. And then before you know it, slam. There you go. You don't want a seatbelt? Take the whiplash. Take the, um, the head through the windscreen. Yep. Take all the bad things that come as a result. Here's another question. Why does, why does your workplace have a fire safety plan? In case need to get all those people out safely just in case fire, right? right just in case just in case um thanks to nick avery for coming up with like this question because he asked me that once and he asked me the seatbelt question and i was like I another one that's a good point that's a good point yeah why do circus performers have a safety net when they're doing the trapeze jumping from one to the other they never fall why do they even have that they never fall right they never fall never i've never seen a circus <laughs> performer fall <laughs> no but they have a safety net yeah there's always a safety net. There's always a safe. Like there should regularly be safety nets, you know, in 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 places that are risky. Even similar to the car. Why do we have traffic lights at a T intersection to make sure no one just T-bones each other? Uh huh. And that's very possible. And now it's extremely unlikely that your work building will ever catch fire. It's unlikely that I will have a car accident. Knock on, I'm knocking on wood right now. Um, 
it's supposed to be good luck and it's supposed to like not jinx you. But well, and I'm, the reason why I say that it's unlikely is because in these 13 years that I've been driving, I've never had an accident. Okay, I've had I've been in a car with other people had an accident. My mom was driving, but it's unlikely that this is going to happen. In any case, still, when you the moment I get into a car, I go in, I reach for that seatbelt, and, and I click it, click and clack. It's because there are inherent risks in everything that we do, even though they're not immediately apparent to us. Just because there are options that happen regularly doesn't mean there isn't any other way of things going down. Just because I've been driving safely to my destination for the past 13 years doesn't mean that when I'm stopped at a set of red lights that someone's gonna speed through the lights and, and, and hit me or uh, um, hit me from behind or anything, man. A pedestrian um, jumps in front of my car because he's looking at his phone um, and I do something silly to avoid that and I get hit. Anything, like anything, there, there are risks I think there are major risks on a car, on a road. Sorry, to be honest, I think it's one of the most dangerous things we do. It really we, is. We really and take it for granted. We take it for granted so much. We don't realize how much potential there is for that, that to go so yeah. wrong. I think about it sometimes. I just sit back and I think about it from different different perspective. We we driving about seven hundred kilo ton of cars that that are going very fast, <laughs> mate. That's that's very for a small fast. car. That's a small car. Yeah. <laughs> They got these big semis on the on the road, and we're all driving at like very fast speeds, and we expect nothing to ever happen yep. wrong. But things happen. That's why there are risks in this stuff. And you, you have a plan just in case you have that accident, just in case that you know that fire happens. Um, Even with fires, man. Like if you work in an office building, I guarantee you they're rehearsing. At least twice a year, that fire evacuation where they do the fire evacuation drill. 100%. Just so people know, hey, this is where you go in case of an emergency. 100%. Like, that's, it has to happen. And that's fun. Those, when you're at school, we used to do the fire evacuation plans at school. You'd be like, ah, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. It was the best. We used to love it. But that's why we'll be getting prepared just in case the worst happened. Um, Nicholas Nassim Taleb. I really like that author. Um, and I appreciate the things he's um, written and come up with. There's a there's the quote: the policies we need to make decisions on should depend far more on the range of possible outcomes than on the expected final number. And what I got from that is like you have to prepare for everything that could potentially happen, not just what usually happens. Yep. Um, and as we're saying, back in the day, you go out for you go out for your day, um, whether it's to work or shopping or anything that you do. And you don't expect to, to run into any trouble. You know what? To use an American example, mm-hmm. you could ima- to tie it into the school. You could imagine all those school kids would never imagine anything wrong to happen in their day at school. But they still have active shooter drills in schools in America now. Yeah. Is it paranoia or is it preparation? It's preparation. They, they don't expect someone to walk in with a gun. Mm-hmm. But people have been consistently doing it. Yeah. So they are preparing. That's that is an act of self-defense. Yep. You have to defend yourself. Like that's what that's the name of the game. If you want to live, you got to defend you yourself. You have to practice defending ourselves yep. too. Um, 
just because you don't ever you don't always have to defend yourself doesn't mean you won't ever have to whilst there are many beautiful loving people around you and there are there are also a few crazies who get their kicks out of inflicting harm on others if they would ever cross your path now this is the time that your skills will come in handy you know um and that's a sad example it really is but you never know which guy's gonna go crazy and then come in with a semi-automatic that are readily available um in the state and come and like do their thing and that's like it's we hear it back from here i mean we've had it done in australia too you know and um that's so sad it's extremely sad um but it doesn't even have to be that severe even though that stuff happens okay you know um even beyond that, you know, there there are situations where they just come up out of nowhere. Someone says one thing wrong, the other guy gets angry, the other guy doesn't want to back down. Before you know it, you're in a fight. Um, and this is a time where things have to. Um, your self-defense training will come, will be used. Okay, even before that. Now, any thoughts, Maddie? Um. Yeah, look, as you said, it's even before that, it's also then having that awareness to tie back into what you said before. Self-defense is having an awareness of what's could protect, what's about to happen. Yeah. You know, you're not waiting till that person's already getting angry at you uh, and, and ready to throw fists at you. You know, some, you've said something wrong, being aware that that person's having that reaction straight away and then straight away diffusing, that's self-defense rather than letting getting angry at him getting angry or bickering and having an awareness even in those minute details of conversation mm-hmm. hey i've just upset this person yeah that, that's self-defense yeah being able to then go oh i've made that i'm going to tone i'm going to tr- do my best to now you know diffuse the situation yeah especially knowing there's the potential for them to get crazy and start throwing punches for sure that's the awareness and it doesn't um like that self-defense isn't happening the moment fists start flying it's like way before that Absolutely. too so as we were saying before most people in Sydney are nice and friendly and accommodating and helpful uh, that's for sure of the approximately 5 million people living in this city let's be kind and say that 99% of these people of these Sydney siders wouldn't even think about starting a fight or being aggressive with somebody else is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. 99%? I'd say it's even a higher percentage, like 99.9. Okay, let's do that. That leaves us with 1% or 0.1%. Yeah. Okay, and if it's... Oh, shit, shit. The that's math, right. The maths aren't that good. But <laughs> 1% of 5 million, 50,000. Am I wrong? I think you're right. I think I'm right too. I think you're right. I think I'm right. <laughs> so, right. let's just say I'm right. Um, 50,000 50, people... If 99% of Sydney siders are just great people and that 1% isn't, that's 50,000 people that aren't nice people that are willing, they're actually willing to hurt you. They actually don't respect the, another person. Yeah. That's what it is, just the respect. And if they don't respect somebody, then they'll, they'll be happy and they'll be able and willing mm-hmm. to inflict harm. Mm-hmm. And if it was uh, 0.1%. That's what, 5,000, right? Yeah, 5,000 people out that, there. That's enough in Sydney. That's enough to make up for the numbers of people in King's Cross throwing one-punch knockouts and yeah. just walking up to someone they've never met before and saying, you look like an easy target. Whack. Whack. Yep. Right there. Um, these people, Savage. whatever percentage you want to say, 
these people, they don't care for your feelings. They've grown up in very, in environments that we don't know about, usually hostile, you know, um, they've got their own problems. Um, and fights, you know, inflicting harm on others, like some people get their kicks out of that. They do. How could you go up to somebody, somebody, if someone's in their right mind, they will not go up to somebody who's not even looking at them, who hasn't done anything to them, and, and just slam them in the head. Yeah. That knockout, knockout games, it was, it can't happen here, the king, the king hit. Yeah. We had so many of those happen in a very short amount of time. Um, that happened in America, that has this whole game that was coming out in America, the knockout oh, game. Wow. Gee, that was just nah. going out and having fun and just cracking people. <sighs> yeah, but that's what, that's what happens. And look, we don't want to do, like, delve on those bad people but the murderers, the gang members, rapists, they're all part of this 1% or 0.1%. You know, these are the deluded ones that like punching people in random attacks. Um, these are the people that, again, are willing to, to, to disrespect people physically, emotionally, mentally, like all of that. Now, what's that 50%, 1%, 50,000? Put that into context. Allianz Stadium at the SFS. Didn't they just knock that down? Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, they're rebuilding it, but that'll fit 50,000. Eddie had. Yeah. They 50, changed the name 000. of that one too. I don't know which, which one's Eddie Homebush. Had Homebush. Homebush. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. wherever. <laughs> yeah, that's... That, that, these are 50,000 people. That's a lot of people. 1% of a population. Um, I'm just imagining like, you think of, to put it in perspective, I don't know, maybe not a great example stereosonic sydney was 70,000 people there you go that filled up uh that filled up homebush the main stadium plus the entire like sprawling homebush mm-hmm. park area to fit like, six stages yep. 70,000 people it was such a large number of people yep so now imagine scatter all those people throughout remember, sydney and, they, and they're the not, psychos they literally they are i remember being there <laughs> they, they and <laughs> watching these brawls breaking out in front of us from these big like juiced up guys that obviously must have ran into another bunch of juiced up guys yeah. but they were you could see it this 1800 people moving throughout the crowd just brawling and security yeah. guards trying to stop them and there was just too many people yeah. and it just carried on and it, I reckon the brawl they walked about 200 metres with this group just con- continuously brawling yeah and that's putting that's putting other people into harm too. It's not just Absolutely, their fun. Right. That was fun for them. They're probably enjoying there were, that. There, were, there, were, there were like bystanders just getting cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't care. Like they, everything kept going. Yep. Um, these are the people that you won't always bump into them. Maybe they're not always having a bad day the way they were. But let's say they wanted to do something like that. They wanted to come up and push you. They wanted to take um, issue with something that you said. You looked at them and they go, what are you looking at, bro? Something like that. What do you do then? What, do you do, what can you do about it then? It's important to note that these people, they don't play by jiu-jitsu competition rules. They don't pay, play by IBJJF rules. They don't know that striking isn't allowed or that groin shots are dirty. They don't care if soccer, kits are, soccer kicks are forbidden in the UFC. They definitely don't care about your feelings. These people don't have the same morals that govern their actions the way that you do. Their reality is very different to yours. These are the people you may on a rare occurrence need to deal with. And when it happens, you wish you'd been prepared for it. That's what I feel as well. Um, and that's why, that's why we can go back to this idea of doing jiu-jitsu for self-defense, okay? And understanding jiu-jitsu as a means of self-defense. Um, because we can do jiu-jitsu 
for fun and for a sport and to um, just keep fit and to have fun. But it's I feel it's absolutely critical that our jiu-jitsu has an eye for self-defense, like that everything we do on the mats and in we in um, uh, within our curriculum is self-defense based because we're creating habits that you will need to rely on in situations like this yeah. and a lot of the times it's fun like it's fun doing like B to J in certain in, in any way it's fun in all forms I feel yep. um, but sometimes it's ineffective on the street in some form in, I wouldn't in, want to be in deep half on the street me neither I feel like it's just a recipe to get punched in the face yep yep I get it um, Chris today was trying to escape my mount and put both of his hands underneath my uh, my leg and I pinned his hands oh, and I looked at him and I, <laughs> and I put my hands around his neck and I just choked him like that <laughs> but that could very very easily be anything else like a, a terrible situation mm. um, we have to understand that our, our practice on the mats is there to give us a start, a head start off the mats. And what we do on the mats isn't separate entirely to what happens off the mats too. Because at the end of the day, this is a martial art. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're martial artists and we have to understand how to keep ourselves safe. And of course, of course, if you've got a hundred people on you, like your best bet, like you're gonna try to, again, that's what you're talking about. That's the idea of self-defense. Like running away before you get into that situation trying your utmost to avoid that situation sometimes those situations cannot be avoided I understand yeah. we can't sit here like on um, on pedestals and say hey Jiu Jitsu is going to save everything because no. you get into some very bad situations uh, that maybe you can't avoid and maybe like things happen but even then like if things are happening you still understand how to you're not you're not completely oblivious to how to keep yourself safe maybe you're shelling up Andrew Nerlick shout out to Andrew um he got, he got attacked from inside his car door, but then put his helmet on. So the helmet is something that we do um, in a crash, crash cover, cover crash clinch. Yeah. Yeah. So you protect your head in a certain way. Your shoulders are up, like to your ears. So you can protect your jaw. Your hands are in front of your face, covering your head. Um, we call that the helmet, uh, and that's what Andrew used in the situation. Still got beaten, could you imagine but that could have been else? so much worse. He's like a lifetime martial artist. Mm-hmm. He's. He's got skills. Could you imagine that someone else, oh, where this yeah. person just comes up? I don't know whether they open the car door. He or opened, just... No, I think he. No, I think the the window was open, or he opened up the car door, and just threw a barrage of punches. Could you imagine not knowing what to do? It's a big, strong there, guy too. They have heavy punches coming at your you're face. You're there, locked in your car with your yep. seatbelt on. You can't get away because you're literally <laughs> seatbelted. <laughs> if you don't have that skill, yes, that's on the realm of never going to happen. You'd think. But clearly it has happened. happened. We know someone it's happened to. He was lucky enough to be prepared to not pretty much not die from that attack. Mm-hmm. Because Andrew's, what, 55-ish, approaching 60. Uh, anyone else that age, without the skills he has... They're gone. They're dead. Yeah. He was able to cover up, protect himself. Yeah. He took a beating, but he protected himself and he's alive today. Yeah. Agreed. Shout out to Andrew. If you guys want to hear more about that story, um, on the High Jiu-Jitsu Story Show, Brad did a three-part episode with Andrew yeah. Nerlick, and um, it was very entertaining um, and, a, and a great listen. So um, jump in on that. And that's another way that you know we can just um, 
it's just another example, mm. you know, of how jiu-jitsu can help us off the mats as well as on the mats. Now, what if, because Andrew is also very interested in jiu-jitsu for self-defense too, and he's, I think he's like, he has a broad range of interests. Um, what if he had never done cover crash clinch in class, and if it was always just, you know, playing for the two-point takedowns? You know, he wouldn't have understood about that either. But he came, I remember when Steve Maxwell came in, Steve, Andrew was like a, was, was like a, the foot, like uh, an integral part of that class. He was always consistently at Steve Maxwell's yeah. classes so he can learn about his self-defense. Mm. Be good to have you back, Andrew. Now, the thing is, what we've been talking about is people like attacking, people coming after us, mm. okay? And who knows, whatever, leave us alone. A lot of the times, human human instinct is to not really care for yourself. It's like, yeah, whatever, I'll be fine. No worries, it's all good. What happens, Maddie, if some of your, if close people, close people around you start getting attacked? Or what happens if, um, if your girlfriend or if my wife or my mother or my sister, if we're out one day and they start getting into a scuffle, if they say something that they shouldn't say or, you know, or any anything really, someone comes up to them and starts um, being rude and disrespectful to them, what do we do then? You can hold your own. You know when to talk and when not to. You can look after yourself. You're happy to walk away from any situation yeah. if that came about. What about the other 99% of people who don't do jiu-jitsu? Mm. Again, another, another, another percentage. But there's a lot of, for everyone who does jiu-jitsu, there's like thousands more that don't do jiu-jitsu. What about these people, including your family members? What happens when they run into trouble? Mm. Do they just fend for themselves? like oh I'm fine let you let my let my wife deal with that <laughs> she started it, it's her problem you're <laughs> not gonna just not at all not at all you're gonna be there like these are the people you love people you care about you're gonna you need to be able to jump in and defend them there I can't imagine there being anything worse than watching a friend getting attacked and not a friend a loved one a family member I can't imagine anything worse than just sitting there watching knowing you're helpless you're helpless exactly I can't imagine that feeling I think that would be worse than if I dived in and say I took say I still got beat up I saved my family member but I took the beating I think that would feel better than watching them take it you know yes 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 for sure and I think you're you're in a better position to take it because you've been you take beatings all the time. Like we all take beatings all the time. <laughs> certainly do. Yeah, certainly do. Um, but it's easy to think that you're on your own in this big world. We're really not. We're not. We're not on our own. We have friends. We have loved ones all around us. We have bystanders and other innocent people all around us. And there may be times that they'll need your help. When you learn self-defense, you can be the person to improve on these precarious situations rather than sitting back and watching it or being, and or being part of the problem. Because when you are watching it and you're, like, you can't help yourself, you can't help the other person, you know, um, that's part of the problem too. In order to help others, you need the skills to help yourself and stay safe. Yeah. That's where the self-defense training comes in. You know what, like, no one else is going to jump in. No one else is going to jump in at all because you watch... Crazy example, right? I saw uh, Road Rage. And everyone... This guy gets out of his car and was thumping the window 
mm-hmm. of this other of this taxi driver. The taxi driver had cut him off or something like that. Yeah. And people were just standing there filming. No yeah. one was like, "Hey, man." I was the only person who walked up, and by the time I got the guy's attention, the taxi drove off. But everyone else just stands there and films it on their phone, yeah. like filming it is going to save this person. Oh, we've got evidence. Yeah. Well, great. This person's still been punched to within an inch of his life, or yeah. potentially could have been. So your evidence hasn't really stopped the beating. It's just punished the guy later. Why not just solve the situation where this guy doesn't have to go to prison for beating someone almost to death, uh, and this guy doesn't have to go to hospital for getting beaten up? Mm-hmm. You've solved that situation for both people. You've improved this person's life and this person's life. I agree, man. I think it's important, and I think it's up. It's up to you to be to make a change, to make a difference. And I think the way you make a difference is um, by learning jujitsu. But yeah. but honestly, by, by by equipping yourself with skills is what we're talking about. Yeah. It doesn't have to be jujitsu. Got to be something else. But just know how to. Jujitsu is the best one for sure. Um, but <laughs> but know know what to do when the shit hits the fan. I think that's really important. Have an idea. Have an idea. Okay, because it's gonna, it can, it will make a big, big difference for you, and also for other people. There's also a situation um, that I was. We had one student come in. No names, but um, he came in. He was training for a couple of months, and I, th- I thought he was enjoying himself. He was having a good time, and then um, afterwards he quit. You know, he was no time. I don't know. It was dealing with and we're having a chat afterwards and it's like oh well Johnny he's like I'd go out with my with my little daughter you know when I was when I was training Jiu Jitsu and I'd be looking around at people and I'd be thinking oh maybe this guy's a bit of a problem maybe this guy's a bit of a um, poses a danger to me and my miss me and my daughter and I stopped and I reflected on those thoughts and I was wondering why would I ever think bad about that person it's like why like Jiu Jitsu is making me feel paranoid again like there's that thing again like feeling paranoid and that just reflects what we've been talking about this whole time and that is like it's not so much paranoia and you don't have to look at people when you do self-defense when you when you learn self-defense and when you're doing jiu-jitsu you don't have to look at other people and be like hey this is a threat that's a threat everybody's a threat no they're not like we're not threats we're all human beings but what we're doing is we're creating like that safety net um, just in case that, that random situation happens, even though it, has, it might not have happened to you yet. Okay, when that random situation happens where you, where you really will need those skills. I think this is kind of, kind of ties back into what you were saying at the very beginning with Big Tom, the, the Croatian guy. Yeah. He's like, oh, if I think about it, it'll happen. If I don't think about it, it won't. Whereas if you're in that paranoid mindset and you're so worried about everyone this guy's going to attack me as soon as they come up you're actually already in a con- confrontational state 100%. what are you what's your problem man yeah you're all, the one actually antagonizing this situation even if you're not intending to 100 percent. so yeah that mindset is a big part of it too making sure that you're not paranoid yeah that hey i trust that should crap hit the fan yeah i'm prepared mm-hmm. but i'm not going to be looking for the crap to throw into the fan 100 percent. i'm just like all exactly right, i'm I know there's people around me. Don't throw I, shit in the fan. <laughs> Literally, right? But, you but know, if it happens... You're, you're there with a shield to block yeah. it from hitting you. Exactly. 
Exactly. Oh, beautiful time to talk about. If anyone, whoever's been, whoever's listening, um, if you haven't watched the video with Professor Sauer in Lefkada in Greece, go and watch it. Now, I'll explain. Have you seen it, Maddie? I have. Yeah. Now, yeah. what happens is, I think it's Bella. It's Professor's daughter. I think his youngest daughter. I, I think it is. Um, they were on holidays um, doing the leverage camp with Phil um, and the crew. And Bella's a very pretty girl and there was one Darrow guy like on the street and this guy was a town pest everyone was saying about uh, talking about him afterwards um, and this town pest went up to Bella and, and groped her and grabbed her boob and like and squeezed it yanked it and then ran off and Bella like um, that, was, that was she was harassed she'd been harassed assaulted okay um, and was in, in hysterics was crying was really really upset Poor bastard, like not poor bastard, but like that guy picked the wrong girl to mess with, because Professor heard about it and saw his daughter, and that guy's got a, as like you know, he he, clearly he loves his daughters like to death, and he then they found this guy, and Professor went up to him and said, hey, what'd you do to my daughter? And Phil started doing the translations, Malaka, Misikuthis, don't stand up, don't you stand up. And Professor went up to that guy and grabbed him by the hand and just snap, like wrist proper lock. snapped his wrist, like nasty wrist lock that he put on. And the guy was like, ah, like, and he like clearly hurt his wrist. You could hear the snap from the video. Oh. And then and then Professor gives him a nice good hook, like just for good measure, like in the guts. Um, and now that was very interesting. And we asked Professor afterwards because if we're talking about self-defense, we want to avoid avoid things at all costs and professor perhaps didn't have to go and um get you know revenge if you like if that if you want to call that revenge but i was speaking to him afterwards and um he was talking and he was saying the reason why he went up to this guy is because he didn't want his daughter to have that trauma in her head for the rest of her life that's huge he would what happened then when he broke that guy's wrist is he saw his daughter saw that guy then become like um, the weaker one and she started she was laughing about it now when you ask Bella professor was saying when you ask Bella now um, about that event she's laughing she tells her friends it's so funny this guy grabbed my boobs and then my tida when he snapped (laughs) his wrist changes it it changes it so now Bella laughs about that whereas what happens if professor A wasn't Professor Sawa a coral belt in jiu-jitsu um, and B didn't have I don't know if you want to call it the guts didn't didn't um, choose to go and do something about that it's like giving closure to a, a thing before he gave that closure yeah. yeah he gave that closure and if he didn't have those skills maybe if he was scared what if he was scared of that person oh shit I want to go do something to this guy but I'm too scared what am I going to do then that's not him being a good dad. That's not him helping his daughter. You know, that's him like being a part of the problem again. Yep. You know, of not doing anything. Sometimes you have to do something. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to stand up for what you believe in. Mm. And the only way you can do that is the self-defense as well. Like that's defensive, defense of your your family. Self-defense of your family, and also knowing what to do when that shit hits the fan again. Okay, and knowing how how to act in a situation like that so what like professor like made the decision i'm gonna go i'm gonna act on this 
and I know what to do if that guy starts attacking me back. Yeah. That guy didn't attack him back. Mm. Phil was there too. But Professor didn't need Phil. Like, I don't think Professor would have needed Phil. Definitely not. Okay, but the beautiful thing is that, you know, that's what those skills are for. And that's why we're practicing these skills and we're learning this stuff because who knows when we're going to need it as well. Um, I think that's really, really cool. The fact that sometimes it's not just for you, it's for you, it's for the other people around you too. Absolutely. Um, here's another reason. Self-defense, preparation or paranoia. We've been talking about it now. One more point. Why would you do self-defense? Why would you practice self-defense? Even if you're not worried about your own safety. Why, Matty? It's a good workout. Da, 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 da. It's good fitness. It's so much fun anyway. It's fun. It's so much fun. It is so Practicing so self-defense fun. and equipping yourself with life skills is actually so much fun. Have you ever seen like the first time someone hip throws someone? The, the look on their eyes. smile like Whoa. this is the coolest thing I've ever done. I can do that. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Watching people do the T position hip throw. Like, yeah, it's a, they're, they're a bit, oh, what's this, you know, with the grips. And then they get this real clean hip throw and they look, their eyes just open. Yeah. They're invigorated, this big smile. Like, that's amazing. 100%. You know? Like, it's so beautiful to see that. And I'm, I think I'm just so grateful to be able to facilitate that in so many beginners and women and kids as well and, um, and all of that through high jiu-jitsu. So if safety was at the forefront of your thoughts, you'd be paranoid. Life would be even more difficult than usual. But you don't need to be paranoid in order to practice and learn self-defense. Everything we've been talking about. A high jiu-jitsu self-defense is what we do. We have loads of fun doing it. We discuss better ways of acting. You learn more about your body in the process. You build good habits of movement. You challenge each other with, with would-be situations. We challenge each other like when we roll and when we spar. You get into like positions where you think you're gonna die, but you're actually not gonna die. But that helps you because there's a lot of times that you feel like you know you can't do things and you have to try and you have to withstand and you have to sometimes persist in order for things to happen for you. Um, and that's that's everything we get from jujitsu whilst keeping each other safe at the same time. We do it around the most friendly and passionate group of students you can find. I really believe that. I think we've got some beautiful people in our school and people who are not there to hurt you, people are not there to dominate you, people are not there to like um, stroke their egos Mm -hmm. with your arms and necks, um, which you get a a lot of the times. Um, That's one reason why you want to do self-defense. Practicing jiu-jitsu will change your your life in ways you never thought possible. And while preparing for that fight that may never happen, you build confidence and health and friends and more quality of life than you would have ever experienced before. Self-defense is definitely preparation and it's so much more than paranoia. It's a journey through your inner doubts and limitations and potential. It's a duty to your community and it's a fun ride with friends you have for life. It's how we help everyday people build quality of life with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and it's also why you should come in and have a go yourself. Yeah, agreed. Come in. It will change your life. And, you know, not to talk crap on other martial arts. You can go, you know, I've heard people go to Krav Maga and that and they come out bruised and sore and then they don't commit to it for long. Uh, you know, you're not really... This is friendly. Mm-hmm. Basically, we're hugging each other all the time whilst learning how to kill people. <laughs> without having to punch each other in the head. You can call it hugging. 
I call it distance management. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, that works. So you can see it however you want. Yep. <laughs> um, nice work. Anything else, Matty? Any closing thoughts? Do it. It'll change your life. Do it. Yes, do it. And, like, do it for yourself. Like, do it for other people, for sure. Um, it feels good. I think it feels good knowing that, you know, something, if something was to ever happen, I know what to do. And, I, hey, like, we're not, like... 100% safe because we've got self-defense because we've got jiu-jitsu um, but we're a little bit safer than the, than the regular person and I'm happy with that yeah I'm happy with that um, that's what I need really well um, thank you everybody if you have any questions if you have any comments about that let us know it'd be good to have them uh, what's new in the high jiu-jitsu world we've got the day of service coming up tomorrow um, the day of service is just an opp- opportunity for our community to get together and do a little bit of give back. Give back to the community that's been so awesome to us, being Woolamaloo and um, the Sydney, wider Sydney City community. Um, and there are a lot of people that do need our help, not so much in self-defense tomorrow, but in the ability to uh, just to, to live life with a bit of comfort, you know, and we're so comfortable. We live, we have good times on the mats, mm. always. I have the best job in the world. You know, we have the best school in the world. We have a, the best school, you know, that we can, that have ever, that could have ever imagined um, possible. Um, and I think my life is beautiful and I think our lives are beautiful. We've got food on the table, we've got beautiful loved ones around us, we've got money in our pocket most times. Um, and I think it's time that we help other people as well. So that's what day of service is. If you can't come tomorrow, it's okay. Um, this is like what, 27th of July, 2019. Um, but what I want us to do is once a month is do that as well. If we have a hangout and we go out and drink and drink beers and eat good food once a month. And I think once a month we can give an hour of our time yeah. for other people as well. So that's, that's on the horizon. Um, within higher jiu-jitsu um, we got Professor Sauer coming in October we can talk more about that soon and the leverage camp's coming up as well so three big things everybody thank you so much um, hit us up I got a comment a few weeks ago and it was um, somebody in New York and I, uh, I don't quite remember the name I don't think I had the name but they said hey I've just started jiu-jitsu recently and we came in, uh, into contact with your podcast and I absolutely love it. It's helping out my, my jiu-jitsu so much. It helps me, you know, just navigate through some of the problems that, that I'm having on the mats. Um, please, thank you so much. Please keep it up. Um, you're doing awesome. And Maddie, I looked at that and I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, wow. It's, it's, it's cool knowing that people actually find, not just listening, but they find value in what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 that's what we're doing this, right? It's to empower your jiu-jitsu, make it better, make the journey easier, help you navigate uh, the whole part because there's there is a lot to it. I mean, it's a long journey from white to black. Yeah. Uh, let alone beyond black, right? Black's just the beginning, really. Mm-hmm. And there's so many little cracks and crevices that oh. haven't been um, investigated yet. So that's why me and Maddie are here, and that's why we've got this podcast. So thank you so much for supporting and sharing, if you like, and and liking, um, and all of us. Stay in touch, people. Thank you so much. Us. Us, everybody.